Good morning, everyone, both here and online. And thank you, Ken, for that reading. Um, just um, want to pray as, as I bring this message to you, so please pray with me. Lord Jesus, uh, let's pray that uh, you would speak into our hearts this morning so that we understand clearly what you, are, uh, what you have for each one of us as we consider uh, the uh, end of Luke's gospel. So bless us as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to pose a question that will hopefully challenge us this morning. Are you comfortable with your life? Are you comfortable with your life? Just keep that in the back of your thoughts as we look at this this morning. Secondly, uh, what's something you really yearn for? You've really wanted to do maybe for years and you haven't done it, and maybe you have done it now. Most of us, or many of us, would say, yeah, there is something. Well, for me, I attended university, uh, and that was last century. <laughs> I went to the University of Minnesota uh, before anything was online. Uh, that stuff was really in its infancy. The campus there was very large. It was over 50,000. And with such a large population, there were many extracurricular activities one could take up. And one of them I did, I, I joined the university chorus, which was a number of at least, well, it would be more than 200. It was a very large chorus. And we performed many works uh, over the years I was there. Um, Besides Handel's Messiah, which was a, certainly a highlight that we did twice, uh, something else that really stood out to me was Benjamin Britten's War Requiem. And I've always wanted to, to sit in the audience and, and hear that. Uh, and it's kind of got put on the wayside for a long time. Uh, but it happened, and it happened two nights ago at the Arts Center in Hamer Hall uh, with the MSO Orchestra and Chorus and a children's chorus as well. And it was a fabulous night. And uh, I went with a good friend, Don Pemberton, who hadn't heard that before, and we enjoyed it together. Very powerful, very moving work. As good as that was, today as we finish the last part of, uh, in this series, called The Whole Gospel, Jesus is calling each of us to enjoy the experience of a lifetime with him, enjoying life to the full. When all the disciples in these verses personally came face to face with the risen Savior, uh, they, you might say that they were over the moon. We, we heard that in the reading. They had hearts burning within them, it says. Jesus was not dead. 
But Jesus is alive. Cleopas and his friend discovered that this man that they were traveling with and so enthralled them with scripture was Jesus himself. They would never be the same when they learned that Jesus was alive and that death had been overcome through him. Their hearts burned when Jesus was with them, when he taught them about himself and God's plan from scripture. Does your heart burn for Jesus? Do you yearn deep down to be uh, enjoying the presence of God? When you pray, when you read the Bible, different times throughout the day. That's what I think this passage is saying to us this morning, that we should be yearning for God's presence in our lives. Well, verse 13 begins, now that same day. So on resurrection day, two of Jesus' followers had left Jerusalem, going probably home to Emmaus, a distance about 11 kilometers. It's like walking from Avonsley to Jembrook. These two men were probably, as I said, on their way home. They were discouraged, disappointed, because God did not do what they wanted him to do. They thought Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would overthrow the Roman Empire and lead his people. But he was killed. So where did that leave them? What were they going to do now? They desperately wanted to know, to understand it all. The two disciples knew scripture quite well. Um, but they had head knowledge. The problem was with their heart. They only saw the glory of what the Messiah was supposed to be, not the suffering, not the sacrifice. And as they were walking and talking about the crucifixion, we, we heard that uh, the man, this man approached them. What are you talking about? And of course, they didn't recognize Jesus. Mark 16, 12 says that Jesus was in a different form to emphasize that his resurrected body was different. So Jesus graciously walked with them, listening to their heated, despondent conversation. He listens to our conversations and our thoughts as well. He's always with us. They said to this man that they'd hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, but that he'd been crucified. And how patient our Lord is when he listens to us tell him, of course, what he already knows. Romans 10.17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That is, the gospel of Christ. So Jesus opened the scriptures to them, opening their eyes to the meaning and reality of the suffering servant. As they walked, the greatest teacher there ever has been explained the meaning of the passages that they knew, but only in part. In verse 27, Jesus said, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And again in verse 44, with the disciples in Jerusalem, he said, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. These two phrases, Moses and all the prophets, 
and the Law of Moses, Prophets, and the Psalms are traditional phrases meaning the whole of the Old Testament scripture from Genesis through Malachi. And the Messiah is mentioned in 26 of the 39 Old Testament books. That's two-thirds of the Old Testament. And it says Jesus went through the whole of Scripture with him. So therefore, the whole Bible is meant to be read and studied. Every word in the Bible was put there by God, and so it's important, it's relevant to us for our spiritual growth. Well, the travelers wanted this learned man to stay with them. And verse 29 says that they urged him strongly. Other translations say they begged him. They knew that he was someone special and they wanted more time with him. So Jesus went in with them. So at the meal, which, which by the way, it was not communion, but just a normal meal, so commentators say, Jesus revealed himself to them and then simply disappeared. Well, at that moment, it all made sense. The words translated burning within us only occur here in the New Testament. Could be compared with the expression to light a fire under someone. And even though it was late, they immediately set up for Jerusalem to tell the other disciples that they'd met the living Christ. Like them, we should be telling others about Jesus. If we've, in a sense, met Jesus, if we know Jesus Christ, there should be something in that relationship that we want to share with those that we know and love. Because there's nothing better in life than to know Jesus. And if you're thinking you don't do that good enough, well, neither do I. So... Jesus appeared to well over 500 people in the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. This encounter is one of the most detailed. Why did God choose this particular one to be recorded in the Bible with so much detail? What's so special about Cleopas and his friend? Why did Jesus spend, we don't know how much time, talking through all the scriptures? Several hours maybe. Well, the answer is in verse 32, where they say, after Jesus disappeared, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They had this deep down desire to understand why Jesus was killed. There's so much detail here, it seems obvious that this was the kind of relationship that is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with everyone, everyone who believes in him. So Jesus came to them and spent time with them explaining those passages about himself, who the Messiah really is. Do you have a deep down, intense, fervent desire burning inside of you to understand and know Jesus better, perhaps to understand part of scripture better. Commentator uh, Warren Wiersbe says, this is a great quote, 
the more we receive the word of God, the more we will want to have fellowship with the God of the word. So profound. Understanding Bible knowledge can lead to pride, but receiving biblical truth into your heart and letting it change you from the inside as you walk with your Savior will give you a burning heart for the Lord himself. What a challenge for all of us. Well, those who are saved are privileged people. Are we not privileged? We're going to heaven. And privilege brings responsibility. We are to tell others about Jesus. If you witness an accident, it's your duty to clearly say what you've seen happened to who and when, and what you heard. And we're certainly not called to judge others, are we? But we are called to be witnesses, to tell others about Jesus and how to be saved. However, no one can do this on their own. Jesus clearly said in John 15:5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's certainly talking about anything to do with God. We witness in the authority of Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit as we announce uh, his gospel of grace. We are to seek after Jesus with all that we are. So if you really want this, then God will help you grow closer to him. But you've got to really want it like these disciples did. So as you do that, this deep down yearning to know Christ better will create the same feeling that these disciples had and also a passion to tell others about Jesus. It'll just be natural. John records in his gospel that when the two disciples had joined the others in Jerusalem, that the doors were locked. They did fear for their lives. They thought the Romans would be after them as well. And then Jesus simply appeared in the room, and he gave them his blessing of peace. We certainly can't understand, and physics cannot explain how a person can be, have a physical body of flesh and bone and yet be able to move through doors and to simply appear and disappear and rise up in the air. But Jesus, in his resurrection body, could do all of that. But get this, 1 John 3, 2 says that when Jesus returns, we shall be like him. That's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. So in his third appearance to the 11 disciples, Jesus made clear to them three things. First, he proved that he had been resurrected. When he appeared, the disciples didn't recognize him. Um, so his body was some, somehow different, uh, as was mentioned before. They still had doubts that it was Jesus, though he showed them his wounds from his crucifixion, and they had him touch his body. Verse 41 says that they still did not believe it, believe it because of joy and amazement. And commentators agree that the disciples actually did believe that he was Jesus. Because they were overflowing, it says, with joy and amazement. If they didn't recognize as Jesus, they wouldn't 
have had that, those emotions at all. It's like if you qualified for a race, and maybe it was me because I'm not a very athletic person, and you had the slowest time allowed and made it in to the finals. You've never been in a final before. You'd never even won a race before. And in the final, you bliss everyone, setting a new record even. Well, your family and friends would come up to you and say, I can't believe you won that. Well, they saw you win it, didn't they? It was only the overwhelming joy and amazement of your accomplishment. Well, it's the same thing here. The second thing Jesus did was to open their minds to understand the scriptures. They were now ready for this, for what was written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that he is the Messiah, that he must suffer and rise from the dead to new life. Another commentator, Daryl Bach, says, it is responding to Jesus in belief that enlightens us. They now had understanding and insight into God's plan. So now they were ready to be commissioned to proclaim the gospel. And the third thing was, uh, he said, this preaching the gospel message, which God's church does that today. So in verses 46 to 49 then, uh, and I don't have all of that, but couple of something I want to say. So it says, this is what is written. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, I am going to send you what my father has promised. So a key phrase here is in his name. In the Old Testament, that phrase in his name indicates Yahweh's authority. But now, this authority has been transferred to Jesus. Preaching repentance is done in Jesus' name. And then Jesus said, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit that the Father has promised. I am going to send it. He is the one who had the authority. He's, in a sense, a a mediator of how the Spirit works. At the end of Matthew, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Well, those verses 45 to 49 make clear that the commission he gave to his disciples is for all Christians everywhere. It's not the job of clergy, it's not for people with the gift of evangelism, it's simply for everyone. All we have to do is tell our story. In verse 49, Jesus told his disciples to stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, referring to the Holy Spirit, of course. Now just stop for a moment and consider that. He says, you will be clothed with the Holy Spirit. Picture that. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior, you are clothed with the Holy Spirit. You're wearing the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? We are to wear what the Holy Spirit gives us in our daily walk, the gift or gifts that he's given you. 
We're to wear uh, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 as we live our day. It's like God sent you his tailor, capital T, to us, who tailor makes our spiritual clothes for us. What to wear as we do life. So we are to live according to God's values and thereby point people to Jesus. He is the one who brings Bible verses or God's truth to our minds. He is the one who makes you bold and confident. He makes you effective. Well, Luke ends his gospel with these words. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Well, each week, we should be going to church ready to worship and praise our great God. We should come filled to overflowing with great joy, joy to the Father for sending Jesus to die for us. Joy to Jesus Christ who not only willingly went to the cross, but went with the joy that was set before him. That's from Hebrews 12:2. The joy that Jesus had when he went to the cross was certainly in part the joy he will have when he presents each believer to the Father in glory. That's from Jude 24. And third, joy that the Holy Spirit is ever present with you. Now, I don't always come to church with this joyous, worshipful, uh, burning desire when I come to church. Uh, Church can become something we always do on a Sunday, so we just come. But it's good to prepare ourselves before we get here to worship God. Finally, Jesus ascended to heaven to sit on his throne on the Father's right-hand side. He has supreme authority over everything. He is our high priest and our advocate. He helps us through our temptations and trials, and he forgives us and and restores us when we confess our sins. We are to live for him and serve him. Through the Bible and through prayer, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, ministers to us, encourages us, corrects us, growing us, transforming us more and more into who we are meant to be in Jesus, thereby getting to know Jesus better and enjoying being with him more. And that fills us with joy. After Jesus ascended, the disciples didn't return to their locked room. But with the confidence of God, they now stayed in the temple every day awaiting the Holy Spirit. Then the gospel went out from Jerusalem into the world. Another question for us, is the gospel going out into your world to those you know and love and to those you come in contact with? This is the whole gospel the fullness of what Jesus has done, his suffering, his dying, dying with joy in his heart for each person who says yes to him and receiving his free gift of salvation as he rose from the grave. 
Well, what is your response to this reality and all of who Jesus is to you? Does it prompt you with an overflowing joy, deep joy in your heart, a heart burning for Jesus? Maybe you're saying, well, I've heard all this before. Well, we should be so, so thankful. We should want God to use us to point Jesus to those that we know. So how do we move towards this needed, vital relationship? Well, one thing we can do is think about, consider, dwell on the cost to Jesus to save yourself. Because he made you a child of God. And what better time to do that is whenever we celebrate communion, we are to confess our sins to God and thank him. That's a great time to dwell on that and consider it and draw close to God as well as other times. Make it a priority. Secondly, make it a priority for, to have daily devotions, spending time with God in prayer and in the Bible, because this helps us grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And it helps us fight against the onslaught of the world's values that we get every single day. I recently spent some time up uh, northern Victoria with friends from many, many years ago, and all were Christians, all were believers, and yet every one of them talked about God will save everyone. No one's going to go to hell. And it just shocked me. The world can infiltrate our belief. Well, if you're not there yet, and none of us really is, but uh, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you grow. If that's your heart's desire, he will help, because that's what he wants for each one. Third thing we can do, uh, as I've said, is be in church every week to be fed and for fellowship with other believers. Fourthly, Jesus is standing outside the door of your heart, and he's knocking. So open the door to your heart. He's promised to come in and spend time with you. God knows your heart. Let him help you grow it. We are to penetrate the darkness of this world with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are in him. So we are his light. Let it shine. Let it shine for him. I posed the question as I began, are you comfortable with your life? Do you want the experience of a lifetime? I think on the father-daughter in the video we saw of Alpha, that happened to them, did it not? So we should never let that fire go out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your living word that challenges us today. 
pray that each one here will take what you have placed on our heart and put it into practice. Stir our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Challenge us not to let the world's values cause us to be complacent as we live out our lives for you. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.